Welcome to Supernatural Podcast, episode number 53 for Ghost Facers. The episode was directed by Philip Sagrikia and written by Ben Edlund and originally aired in the U.S. on April 24, 2008. Let's go ahead and jump in with our recap with Kristen and Beth. Recap for episode 3.13, Ghost Facers. Our episode begins with Harry Spangler and Ed Zedmore, and they're back with their newest adventure. They tell us they have a pilot of a new Ghost Hunter show, and that they have braved the unknown to bring it to us. Phase 1, Homework. Now, this is where they introduce us to all the new characters. Corbett is the unassuming assistant, Maggie is Ed's adopted sister, and Spruce is 1516th Jew. They reveal the case for the episode, The Morton House. Every four years, the house becomes the most haunted place in America. It is the leap year ghost. And no one has ever stayed the night. Phase 2, Infiltration. The ghost facers are about to cut through the chain-link fence surrounding the Morton house when they hear a car coming. It's Sam and Dean in the Impala. They've come to join the hunt, too. Phase 3, FaceTime. Now, the ghost facers split up into two teams to investigate the house. Ed and Corbett are in one team, and Harry, Maggie, and Spruce are in the other. The camera starts cutting in and out, which is the first clue that maybe something is going on. Sam and Dean show up to save the day. They catch Ed and Corbett investigating the house. They pose as police officers, but Ed recognized them. Sam remembers Ed and Harry from West Texas. Ed says that they were there first, but Dean doesn't accept that. Sam and Dean proceed to tell them how stupid they were to try and stay the night on a leap year, because even though no one has been reported to have stayed the night, everyone who actually does has never lived to tell about it. Sam says that starting at midnight, your friends are going to die. Harry's team comes running down the stairs, excited that they saw their first ghost in the house, and then they notice Sam and Dean. Harry says, aren't those bleep from Texas? <laughs> Although I did very much enjoy the, the, the bleepings of words, I also very much enjoyed the little um, recap of the fact that the boys are from Texas. You know that Jensen and Jared are both from Texas. It makes it even more funny. The ghost facers replay the clip of the ghost for everyone, and Sam figures out it's a death echo. Dean explains that echoes are trapped in a loop, playing over and over again where and how they died. The boys try one last time to get the ghost facers out of the house and to safety, when Ed realizes Corbett is missing. And Corbett's scream echoes throughout the house right when the clock turns 12. Now Sam is angry that Dean insisted on hunting the Morton house. It's our Grand Canyon, you said. You've got two months left, Dean. Instead, we're going to die tonight. Every door, every window in the house is sealed. Dean says it's a supernatural lockdown. Whatever took Corbett doesn't want us to leave. See another death echo. Dean tries to wake the ghost from his echo, but Sam says the person usually has to have a connection to the deceased. The echoes didn't die at the house, and they didn't live at the house. Now the question is, why are there echoes haunting this house? This is when Dean and Sam find, the, find three toe tags from dead bodies. 
all cases of death match the MOs of the death echoes that they've seen. Death by gunshots and train accident. The death echoes are here because the bodies are here somewhere in the house. Daggett, the last owner of the home, was a hospital janitor. He brought the remains home from the hospital to play. There is another surge of supernatural energy and Sam is gone. All that's left is Sam's flashlight. Dean is in a tizzy, yelling, Sammy, at the top of his lungs. Maggie is really scared now, and so Harry comforts her by making out with her. Ed finds them together and is not too happy. He breathes, my best friend and my best sister. (laughs) Dean has to break up the cat fight between the two of them. He reminds them that they don't have time for that because they're down two people. Corbett and Sam are captives at the ghost's statistic dinner party. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to is playing over and over on a loop. The needle keeps scratching back to the same verse over and over again. Sam tells Corbett to stay with him, to stay awake, but the ghost puts a stake right through his neck. Dean figures out that Daggett, who was a product of the Cold War period, has a bomb shelter. But when going into the basement to find the shelter... The ghost closed the door behind him and separated Dean and Spruce from Harry, Ed, and Maggie. Dean yells at them to pour a ring of salt around themselves and stay inside it to protect themselves. Dean finds his way into the ghost's sick party. He blows the ghost away with rock salt. Sam explains that Daggett was extremely lonely. That's why he killed all these people and made them his playmates. They're still trapped in the basement. Once in the salt ring, Harry, Ed, and Maggie see Corbett as a death echo. Ed says, it's Corbett, he's trapped, he's in a lot of pain, we've got to pull him out of his loop. This is when Harry reveals to Ed that Corbett had feelings for him. Harry says that he's got to go be gay for Corbett so he can be sent into the light. (laughs) And of course, Corbett snaps out of the death echo after having his true love reveal himself. I actually think it's great that our um, society is now finally accepting there to be a openly homosexual character and have it be labeled instead of just hinted at. Ghost Daggett appears behind Dean and a fight ensues. But when only Spruce is left after he's knocked out Sam and Dean, Corbett comes from behind and tackles Daggett. Daggett and Corbett's spirits have been put to rest. Everyone made it out of the house alive. Well, almost everyone. This ends the ghost facers view of the episode and we go to the more usual type of filming. The ghost facers show Sam and Dean their cut of the show. Sam and Dean know that they can't let the ghost facers show that on national TV. As Sam says, in in our experience, you know what you get when you show the world the truth? Dean replies, a straight jacket or a punch in the face. Sometimes both. Sam ends up leaving a powerful magnet in their headquarters and all the footage is wiped from their computers. Dean admits, it's too bad. I kind of like the show. And they drive off into the sunset. I would rate this episode a... B. Because it was it was good. I didn't think it should have been the first episode back. Because uh, we needed more Sam and Dean time after the strike, I thought. It was funny. It was different. I liked the ghost facers as characters. And it was still creepy and scary. It ended up being good. I would also give this episode a B, probably a B minus, just because I really was irritated that it was at the beginning of the long extended period of time that we had no Sam and Dean, and then we had 
minimal Sam and Dean in this episode. However, it was very nice to see Sam and Dean from an outsider perspective, and I love episodes that kind of make fun of the show or make fun of other things. If this was a spinoff show, I would totally watch it. This is Kristen. And this is Beth. And we enjoyed talking to you guys. Bye. Next, we have analysis and theories in my discussion with Josh. Hi, this is Ellen. And this is Josh. And what did you think of this episode? The first one back from hiatus. Yeah, we're back. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Well, I have to admit, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this one. Ah. I started out loving it, and then I kind of hated it, and then I was all confused about how I felt. (laughs) You know, kind of like, sounds like I'm describing an unhealthy relationship. (laughs) It really does. (laughs) Perhaps you should seek some counseling for that. (laughs) I would, but Supernatural won't go with me. Oh, that is a good point. I guess we could go to Vancouver, just bundle up. Right. It's a little cold there right now. Yeah, it's. I'm mixed on this one, too. I'm giddy over some laryngitis, don't mind me. Um, I thought it was really enjoyable, but totally different. And you had to put yourself away from the fact that of anything we've ever been experiencing on Supernatural into this new realm. I liked it, but I didn't like it. <laughs> All at the same time. <laughs> I understand what you mean. It's hard to explain because there were such good moments. And then there were some where you're like, oh, come on, are we still in this episode or are we moving on anytime soon? Had very polarizing reactions. Yes, and the fan, in the fandom it did, definitely. In an interview I read, Eric Kripke said that he, this was one of his favorite episodes. He absolutely <laughs> loves it. One of the best they've ever done. Except that he knew peop- the fans would either love it or hate it, but nothing in between. Ah, well, it's that include people who love it and hate it at the same time? Well, I did find a poll <laughs> on LiveJournal <laughs> that said, do you love it, do you hate it, or yes and no. There were a lot of people in our position, so. <laughs> right. But highs and lows. It was almost like being on a, like a roller coaster. Yeah. I guess we should start with the highs. Why don't we? It was hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. I almost died laughing every once in a while. It really was funny. There was a lot of good moments. Like you said, you had to put yourself away from the show because it wasn't our usual humor, you know? Oh, yes. If you take yourself out of the usual supernatural viewing mode, there were a lot of funny jokes. And I think if you haven't seen Ghost Hunters, you know, the show on Sci-Fi Channel, I think it is. (laughs) Right. I've never seen it. Although this coming episode on, um, I think, tomorrow night or the next night, maybe it's Wednesday night. They're having one on the Winchester Mystery House. In San Jose, and the Queen Mary. It's like haunted places in California. Oh. And I thought that was really interesting. Somebody was talking about it being <laughs> at the Winchester funny. Mystery House, because it's always a big, fun part of the fandom, where they're like, oh, the Winchester House. So, But it's that type of show, and they tried to spoof Ghost Hunters. So if you haven't seen the show, you probably wouldn't get that joke at all. <laughs> and that's the whole premise of the episode. Yes. And I, I think that that was... One of the strong points was not only did it do a good job of spoofing that show, but it did a good job of skewering the whole reality genre in general. Oh, yeah. Definitely. When I read that the synopsis was that Sam and Dean join a reality show, I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. What, are they going to go off to Survivor or something? There's no way. (laughs) They're legally dead. How could they possibly? Why would they get in front of a camera to be on TV? Like, that makes no sense. (laughs) So I really like... (laughs) 
<laughs> really like that it didn't go that way, that they just happened to be there. And, <laughs> right. you know, it, it worked out much more realistic than I had feared originally. Yes. And, and who knows how we would have felt about Sam and Dean doing, you know, the talking head interviews and all that stuff. It was much better that that was done with a separate set of characters. You know, I liked that they brought back the two guys from Hell House on first season. Yes, I did too. I mean, I liked them back then. They're kind of like the lone gunman from the X-Files with about a third of their intelligence. Yeah, I really liked them. I liked the fact that they tweaked it, though. It wasn't just the two of them off being totally clueless. Oh, I agree. I liked, I really liked the gang they had assembled, probably more than the two lead guys. They were really annoying by themselves, but with the rest of the balance, like all the different characters, it worked really well. I did too. It was a believable group. But I like that they did some things that you'd never see on, on Supernatural, like all the, the <laughs> shall we say, the, uh, the bleeping, <laughs> oh, right? <laughs> where they're swearing, flipping off people, you know, get the little sensors. I mean, it was great because <laughs> we always wonder, like, are Sam and Dean, do they swear? Because like, with our FCC regulations, you can't do that on TV. This isn't Showtime or HBO. This is CW. <laughs> and so I'm like, Dean is totally the guy that's just going to start swearing up a storm when he's angry. But we never get to see that. So some of the fans thought it was totally out of character. But I think it's just the fact that the way they portrayed it, they could actually make the guys seem a little bit more themselves. I I have to agree. I It's very jarring to me at first, you know, because like you said, we don't ever see them do that. And of course, it's because of the FCC regulations. So when they started doing that, I was just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It was all kind of surreal. One, after being gone for two months, and two, here's like, told from the perspective of outsiders, almost like it's like an anthropological, like, documentary or something. You know, it's like, oh, look at the two creatures we ran into, you know, the two hicks from Texas, you know? (laughs) (laughs) They had so many little jokes in here. It was not quite as well done as Hollywood Babylon, but they had all these little jokes thrown in that it really was like a big thank you to the fans who've been longtime viewers because it was, it just kept bringing up things from first season or, you know, the stuff that we've seen. So right. that was cool. I liked that. That was funny. And funny things like the labels they would put on the people during their <laughs> interviews. and <laughs> Adopted. <laughs> Adopted <laughs> Asian girl, yeah. What? <laughs> 116th part Cherokee. <laughs> right. And then the I really laughed hard when the garage door opened on their meeting. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> oh, there were so many things to like, you know, but it wore on. And I really like Ben Edlin's writing. Like, I generally really like his stuff. And he does use a lot more humor. And um, I think this one was... Although extremely different from the others, you did right. see a lot of that humor that we like come back. You just, you just, we usually see, you know, Sam and Dean making with the funny, and <laughs> these were the others. And the handheld camera style, I personally really liked it. It's a la Blair Witch Project. I like that kind of stuff. I love Blair Witch. I liked Cloverfield. I like that kind of sense of reality of just, you know, that's not like a big Hollywood thing. I think it really worked in this episode that you didn't have the full camera crew with all the stuff. At least they were there, but you just didn't, you know, it didn't appear that way. I think it definitely helped with the scares. You know, if it was a full, you know, one camera thing, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been as scary doing it this way. It helped, 
you know, add in the fear and, you know, like you said, the first person perspective, which, you know, and like you said, that's what was also neat about the episode was that there was a lot in Supernatural in general, there's a lot of horror shout outs. Yes. And like the Blair Witch this time and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, how could you forget that? birthday scene at the end i was like yes it was like straight out of texas chainsaw massacre i was so excited that was like, exactly. like the best scene so they're <laughs> off the table you have these like corpses and leslie gore's song playing bits <laughs> over and over and over again yeah. that was great and sam at the end of the table <laughs> i won't forget that scene for a very long time <laughs> yes i love the gore i loved that they brought back like the scary horror stuff again. It's been such a long time. I mean, it's, you know, it's different when you're dealing with the demons and the overall mythology, but standalone episodes seem to be a lot scarier. They, yeah, because they can do things on a short scale. Like you can bring in some really creepy guy just for the episode. That's why I like standalones more, generally speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm old school horror. What can I say? I liked the fact that Dean called it the Grand Canyon for Hunters. Oh, yes. You know, and he had said that he would someday wanted to go on vacation to Grand Canyon. He'd never been there. And now he does get to go to Grand Canyon. <laughs> yep. But that's so yes. cool. It would happen on a leap year. And I don't know. They, that was some neat mythology they brought in. It was. They, they, that was a neat call out, you know, to a past conversation. And the, the death echoes. That was kind of cool to see. Like, I liked just the, the haunted, like, vengeful spirit thing. Like, we haven't seen that in a while. No, it it was definitely interesting to, I like the death echoes, the, you know, the whole idea that they were still there because their bodies were there and, but you still got to see different kinds of deaths. Yeah. Like with the train running over and getting shot down. Yeah. I thought that was really well done. It reminded me so much of Asylum from first season. I thought it was one of the best ep- you know episodes we've had and I don't know, it was just cool. Well, in the music, we have to mention the music was right. back. Definitely. Not only Grand Funk Railroad, but we had some other stuff. And, of course, the Leslie Gore song, which I already talked about. But yes. it was so good to see the music back. Yeah. You know, it's, I know they're very budget conscious. And so it's nice when they can splurge and get some known tunes. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of budgets, I, I don't know. Perhaps we're moving into the don't like. But here's some uh, not so good news about Supernatural. They actually have a smaller budget next year than they do this year. Smaller budget people smaller (laughs) right they already have to cut back so many things like i was reading an interview with eric kripke and it was he was saying that um the network wanted him to do a full-out war this year and maybe this is why episode one magnificent seven was so different and you know why we were like whoa it's like way over the top we didn't really like it (laughs) the network wanted him to do that he wanted something big and splashy and have this big war and have a battle and all of this, and then it went way over budget, and the network said, uh, no, we want you to do that only for really cheap. Right. <laughs> and then it turned into the rest of the season. So that's why episode one was a little bit different than all the others. Ah. Now it makes sense. The Kripke has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> but Mystery is revealed. They just can't do the war thing. They have to do the implied war because they just don't have the money. I think they should get some of One Tree Hill's budget. Anything else you really liked, or shall we continue with our, well, <laughs> let's uh, slide down into the, the not-like here. Right, slide down to the lows. Yeah, we're at the bottom of the roller coaster now. <laughs> <laughs> it dragged on forever. 
It did. It, there was a lot of running and shaky cam, and it just, you know, didn't move very quickly at some points. Yeah, you know, I just, I didn't mind not seeing Jared Jensen all that much. Like, yes, there was a little, it was too unbalanced, I think, in a way, them being like almost guest appearances. But at the same time, I thought that was kind of cool. I liked it. It was flowing along. And then you got to this point where you're like, come on, just bring them back on. You know, (laughs) had a little too much of you guys. There's not enough to like about you guys that we want to spend two quarters of the episode just watching you run around. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that that was a lot of the fear of the fans. You know, it's been such a long hiatus and then it comes back and there's no Sam and Dean. And yeah. And. I don't know if that really affected the ratings, the fact that they weren't leads in this episode, but it definitely disappointed some people. It did. And, you know, it's nice for Jared and Jensen because they got a break from their 14 to 16-hour days that they usually do. Right. But they just came off a two-month hiatus. <laughs> right. The rest of us have been waiting a long time. <laughs> That's right. But apparently Smallville did something very similar where it was like a Jimmy Olsen episode instead of... The main characters. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Just don't know if that's the best way to come back from a really long hiatus. Yeah, but did you see the promo for next week? No. It's going to be very intense. Ah. Extremely. I mean, it was kind of nice to have this nice break. I think the reason why they brought us in on this happy, you know, really fun, light episode. I mean, it was gory, but it was still like a totally fluffy standalone because the rest of the episodes then, the next three, are going to be very intense. Oh, right. And it was a nice way to kind of ease us back into the world of Supernatural before, and then they could just like sock it to us. (laughs) Right. I guess it just makes people nervous because we have so few episodes left in the season, you know. You get one that doesn't deal with any of the big stuff. Yeah, well, next episode is going to deal with the big stuff. (laughs) And unfortunately, um, Eric did say, and I'm not going to give any spoilers because I don't read the spoiler parts of the episodes or the interviews. I only read parts of them. But he did say that all of the stuff he had planned for season three is now pushed to four. And we're really not going to get much this season of what it's been promised (laughs) because of the writer's strike and so forth, that they just don't want rush on it right so i'm you know i'm glad now that we know we have a season four then some of our stuff maybe about mary and some of these bigger questions that we have that they can't just do one episode and be done with it right we'll get more time oh that's good it's just kind of the opposite of what you expect you know you expect the writer's strike to shorten things up a little bit and not stretch it out yeah i think we'll get enough though because Jared was saying how these next three episodes are just absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> We're just not going to get everything. And of course, we want the world. We want everything. Right. We, we want, want it everything all. at our feet. We want our laughs, our scares, our answers. All of it right now. Yeah. And all in 45 <laughs> minutes. <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. My, that was my big problem was that the episode, usually they're very short. They run really, really fast. But this one, I was like looking down at the clock. I'm like, how much time do we have left on this episode? My big complaint has to do with what happened to the gay intern. And I should have, we should have some kind of warning here. Noise like, boop, boop, warning. Big rant ahead. 
There we go. I, you know, I don't know if it was because we really got to know him. You know, we he's an auxiliary character. They were all auxiliary characters in one episode, but yeah, we spent a little bit of time with them. Or it may have been because he was so young, but that stabbing through the throat and then the subsequent shots of his lifeless body, they were really disturbing. Yeah, that was one of the parts that people were like, oh, it's way too gory and to me. You know, I'm, the more gory the death, the better, right. in my opinion. So I was like, oh, cool. But exactly. you're right. You know, it was that guy. You know, he was – I don't like how they played that out either. Well, I, and like you said, it's a horror show. It's, distur- it's supposed to be disturbing. It's all right. You know, I'm freaked out. That was all of a sudden very upsetting in a really lighthearted episode, you know? I think yeah. that's part of what made it so jarring. But I think that the part that really upset me more was then after that, they kept handling it like it was a joke. Yes. And they played this guy, this young kid's death for laughs, which was really hard to deal with, I think, for me. And the fact that they call, kept calling him a gay intern and like made a really big deal out of that. You know, there could have been a, a better way. Okay, let's say Corbett has to die anyway. You know, make right. him die, make him turn into a death echo. I was like, okay, all right, I'm done. Let's just finish this episode. Let's get it done here. <laughs> you know, this is so cheesy and over the top, but at the same time, it was so offensive. Yeah. And I just, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I thought the same thing. And, and to me, you know, I enjoy a scary, funny mix. The show does it all the time. You know, stuff like yeah. Shaun of the Dead, that's great. Oh, yeah. But even then, the characters treat death as a serious business, you know. And yeah. It just didn't happen here. It was more like they were just too scared. They didn't really were upset that he was dead. They were just scared they were going to die, you know. You know, I like that the the spirit took the spirit out sort of thing. We've seen that before. I thought that was good continuity. It wasn't like make it up new mythology, you know, that the two spirits canceled themselves, like Mary and the poltergeist. Right, right. So that was a good part, but... And then, and then it gets even more offensive to me. <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> Yes, there's more. <laughs> I, you know, not only was it offensive how they handled that situation, but then these characters who just had their friend died are still going to pitch this reality show. And yeah. Dean calls them out on it, which is good about exploiting his death and everything. But to me, it changes them from clueless, likable morons into total creeps. You know? Yeah. It's, they, this kid is dead. They were supposedly friends with him. And they're just moving it on like, oh, yeah, it'll be cool to have a ghost on the team. And let's make some lame gay joke about penetrating the darkness. It's like, it's you know, very cheap. <laughs> yes. It even got worse for me at that point, too. I agree with you. <laughs> but then I started thinking about like some of these entertainment shows that would buy somebody's last video, you know, yeah. or some video like right after, for example, like Anna Nicole, what offended me even more was when Heath Ledger died, who was one of my absolute favorite actors. And I was devastated when he died. And then they right. found that video of him like partying and taking drugs a couple of years ago, and they wanted to sell it for like a million dollars to one of the entertainment shows. And right. I mean, I was like, that is so cheap that you would take somebody's tragic death and make money on it. And I think that's what this episode was trying to parody. Well, that's just it. it. It's so disgusting when people do that. It's so revolting. And to see these guys do that, like I said, it just it changed my perspective of them completely. They weren't funny, sympathetic characters. They were really despicable human beings, you know? Yeah. And, and to me, it was also seemed like, and to, at, the, at that moment, I thought it was kind of lazy writing because 
it would be more realistic. They, they're not used to dealing with the real supernatural and with death and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so their reactions to me would be so much more different. They would either be so freaked out and give up the whole thing altogether, or they would, you know, learn about the supernatural stuff, the real side that they know Sam and Dean see, and maybe, you know, start learning to become real hunters or something. Well, you know, and I think that's why Sam gave him his phone number. One, because he just knows that they're going to get into trouble again. But two, perhaps he was thinking, well, you know, we can always use more people on our side. Right. That's true. That's a possibility. (laughs) I don't think we'll see him again. You know, I was hoping we would after what happened last time. It kind of left it like, you know, that they played a prank on him. And I thought maybe something would come back. And I thought that would be fun. But then after a season and a half, you're like, oh, there's no way they're coming back. Right. (laughs) And then they did. And that was great. But they just went out on a bad note. Yeah, and and like you said, after after I was all enraged about all of that, <laughs> I did think maybe that Ben Edlin or the writers or or you know the producers or whoever is making the decisions about how this ends, that maybe they were trying to make a comparison between these type type of characters, the ghost facers and the prophet seekers, yeah. you know, and just the curious guys versus Sam and Dean, who are the real hunters that are either trying to save people or you know go out and commit their acts of vengeance, but the difference between the two groups. But I don't think that was readily apparent at the moment. So it might be me trying to reconcile my feelings about the show. That's what I'm hoping they were going for. You know, we do that a lot. We're like, well, I hope (laughs) the writers are going for this. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It seems to be kind of a trend lately. Well, that was a season two trend every episode, but, you know, (laughs) season three has had a little bit of that. And like you said, I wanted to see more of them before, but after this, I think their their jokes played out now. But that's my rant about it. It was like, it went from really funny and great, and then it shifted into disturbing and scary, which is fine. I'm used to that, you know, that's enjoyable. But then it kept trying to keep the funny in there, and it didn't come off well. This episode is one big, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's hard because it's like, it wasn't like I hated the whole episode. It made me have such strong reactions at the end. I was like, oh. I mean, there were some points I was just laughing so hard. I thought I was going to have to go back and rewind and watch it again. (laughs) Right. Because I thought I'd miss something. And then there are other times where I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, And, and Sam and Dean, and I don't know if it was because of the... It wasn't from their perspective, but they seemed kind of clueless in this episode. Like, it took them a while to figure out what was going on, and it was, you know, vengeful ghosts, which they've done dealt with a million times. You know, and I wonder if maybe it was because, I mean, if it had just been the two of them, they would have been in and out of there pretty quick. But (laughs) when they had all those people there with them, and they were trying to protect them, and then Sam goes missing, and Dean's priority changes then from keeping them protected to finding Sam and then they just had to you know scramble to keep up with him right I mean it's just kind of it's like he was his I don't know his attempts were pushed in too many different directions at the same time that's true like they were babysitting (laughs) exactly (laughs) just a few tweaks and it would have been really really good I think oh perfect yeah I think it would have been a stellar episode if if those two little things had just been tweaked just a little bit. <laughs> right. As far as questions and speculation, but the one thing that did stand out <clears throat> was we got a very clear timeline. We know that this is, you know, February 29th. Right. Because he, he said it was a leap year. 
you know, and it, this is the day. So we know he has two months left. You know, when Sam was saying, I can move down to my quote here. Sam says, let's go hunt the Morton house, you said. It's our Grand Canyon. And Dean says, Sam, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam says, you got two months left. Instead, we're going to die tonight. <laughs> so it's, it's clear that Sam is like, Come on, dude, you have two months, and we're doing this. That is good. That does help us give us a sense of where we are. We're going to have two ep- or three episodes going to cover two months. Yep. And I don't know if they're going to do the whole cliffhanger thing, because you know now that they know there's a fourth season, they easily could give us some big old cliffhanger. Right. And um, you know that would be kind of fun, because it makes us anxious and gets us excited, and at the same time makes us want to throw things at our TV. <laughs> right. It's like the perfect summer you know, cliffhanger, which I think is what they'll do. But I do wonder if they're going to tie up Dean's death thing this season or leave it on the cliffhanger, like some really big moment. I sure hope they tie it up. But then it makes you wonder what else they would do as a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> well, they could always drag Sam's story out for a little bit longer. Just run him over with the truck. Oh, wait, they've already done that. Yeah, I don't think Dean would want to do all that work on the car again. I really don't. <laughs> And I think, you know, as horrible as the writer's strike was for L.A., and you know, for everywhere, but particularly the economy here, I think it actually has helped TV. Oh, it's yeah. Been, you know, people are like, oh, welcome back to TV. You know, on NBC, they were doing these welcome back Cotter ads and, um, <laughs> you know, trying to entice people, come back. And then they're doing like little recaps. And the most clever one um, a friend of mine pointed out to me, made me watch because I don't watch them. Um, my name is Earl, but at the beginning of that one, they did like a, the executive producer or like president of NBC or somebody got on there and said, let me give you a little recap as to what's been going on in this show. And he did like, he was like on the TV, like telling people what's been going on in this show and showing some <laughs> clips and stuff. And it was really cool because, you know, after this long break, then people might be, oh, you know, I didn't really watch it last fall, but you know, hey, why don't I give it right. a try? Right. So it might actually be good for TV. We might get more viewers at all the shows, but right. it's supernatural. <laughs> and it also, I think that's why CW did early pickups because they know that certain shows didn't get a whole season and that they've been doing pretty well and seems solid enough that they didn't wait till May 12th or whatever they're going to do up front. The fandom won't have to come out in hordes and petition everybody this year. That's right. I don't even know what we would send to the executives. They had hoped that... Um, Supernatural's time slot would help Reaper, which didn't really help at all that much if you look at their ratings. So maybe the uh, Supernatural fans that do watch Reaper should go try to support them. <laughs> try to. Get them a renewal. Because anytime we have these kind of shows on TV, it's, um, I don't know, it helps the whole genre. Right. That's right. Watch Reaper 2. That's right. It's a good show. It is a good show. And they handled the gay characters much better, I think. Oh, completely. Their demons were really kind of cool. Yep. And plus they uh, had an exciting, really plot-heavy episode back from a hiatus, which you can't say for Smallville or Supernatural. That is true. They're hitting their stride. Supernatural, hit, we hit our stride a long time ago this season. Exactly. <laughs> We've been riding it high. We've honestly, you know, as bad as people hated this episode or loved it or whatever they did, this is just a bleep in the rest of the season has been really good. Yes, it's been very strong. So it's good to see there are a lot more, um, there are a lot of new listeners on the podcast, and a lot more people who have been emailing me talking about the show. And um, you know, it's good to see. It's good to see that there are a lot of new people who are 
you know, finding Supernatural, even after all this time. <laughs> that is good. It is very good yeah. news. And welcome. Yes, welcome. So what were your favorite quotes? Well, of course, the one about the Grand Canyon, which I already said. I also really liked the one that we actually talked about and how it was one of the low points of the episode. But I liked how Sam called him out. He said, I mean, it's bizarre how y'all are able to, to honor Corbett's memory while grossly exploiting the manner of his death. Well done. <laughs> He's like Professor Sam. <laughs> or Father Sam. <laughs> That's very good. And I am really glad that quote was in there at that point. <laughs> That was, I think, that's why I put it in there, because it was, like, the high point of the low point. <laughs> right. Balanced it a little bit. <laughs> I think that the most famous one from this episode has got to be when Ed says to Dean, listen here, chisel chest, we were here first. <laughs> I love that, and the way Sam looked at him when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so random and hilarious, and it's going to stick. It was also funny, I think, when Dean was talking to Maggie and was like, seriously, does looking this nightmare through that camera make you feel better or something? And she's like, um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's really funny because in, um, in Cloverleaf, Cloverleaf? <laughs> Where the heck did Cloverleaf come from? In Cloverfield, <laughs> um, the guy was behind the camera for the same reason. He's like, I don't want to be in front of the camera. I feel better behind the camera. Right. <laughs> So I wonder if maybe that was kind of a, a nod to Cloverfield. Right. Not Cloverleaf. Cloverfield. Not Cloverleaf. <laughs> Which is recently out on DVD. If you haven't seen it, it's a good one. Yes. And they're making a sequel, by the way. Called Cloverleaf. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Because <laughs> <laughs> Cloverfield was already taken. Right. <laughs> That's actually kind of a cool one, a sequel on that, just briefly. They... um. If you've seen the movie, you know it takes place from one person's perspective or a few people's perspective. And what they're going to do is they're going to use somebody else's perspective who was experiencing the same thing, but somewhere else. Ah. So it'll be the same time period, only from another perspective. That'll be interesting. I thought that was kind of interesting because this episode really was about different perspectives. So That's true. I thought it might be a nod on that. Do you have any other favorite quotes? Um, I did think it was funny when Dean said, there's some salt in my duff, we'll make a circle and get inside. And there's that pause, like, inside your duffel bag? In the salt, you idiots. Yeah. You know, I think it went out on a good end, though, where, um, you know, he had the electromagnetic something or other, which wouldn't have worked in real life, so we won't even talk about that. Like, the mechanics of it just doesn't work that way, but it worked on the TV, and if you don't think too hard about it. But I like that, you know, after all that, they didn't get to keep the video. Uh, Yeah, I think that was probably trying to cover up some of the grossness by doing that. Well, that and the fact that Sam and Dean are dead, you know, can't appear anywhere. That's true. It'd be pretty bad if they made it onto network television. The CW has a new reality show coming out, as if we need another one. But this one's called... (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Well, maybe, but... (laughs) I don't really care about that. And it's not Farmer Takes a Wife, because I'm not watching that either. <laughs> but Or Farmer Wants a Wife, sorry. <laughs> farmer Takes a Wife, that's better, isn't that? Farmer in the Dell. The poor cheese is always standing alone. <laughs> the Farmer Show is going right. to be <laughs> releasing the next few weeks. It's going to start, and it's about some guy who 
you know, some farmer in Missouri who meets all these city girls who come out to the farm. And anyway, it's, it's some stupid reality show. No offense, CW, but it's kind of stupid. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they're going to have this new one that they were just holding auditions for. It's called 13, and it's going to be a horror reality show. Really? Yeah. Very cool. So if you go to CWTV.com and take a look, it's, um, I don't know if they're still accepting applicants. I think it may have ended sometime in April, but it's going to be coming out. I don't know if they're going to do it this summer or maybe this fall. I don't really know what their lineup's going to be yet, but it's going to be a horror one. Yeah, that might be interesting. If I could just remember the premise. It's been a long time since I looked at it. <laughs> I get those lovely emails from CW once in a while, and they're usually about Smallville comic books or, you know, America's Next Top Model or who's right. kissing who on One Tree Hill. But um, <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while, there's something good in the newsletter, so I do read them. So it might be something fun to watch in summer hiatus. I'm hoping it'll come out this summer. Poor Corbett. Should we have a little moment of silence for Corbett? <laughs> Let's do that. All right. That's a moment, right? I think so. (laughs) How long exactly is a moment? (laughs) That's a good question. Oh, maybe we should ask Whitney Houston. Yeah. Wow, that's dating ourselves on that one. (laughs) (laughs) How many people would actually get that reference? (laughs) I am very old. Wasn't that from, like, the Summer Olympics of, like, I don't know, 92 or something? I think so. Maybe even earlier. (laughs) Could have been earlier. It might have been 88. Oh, I don't know. All right, then. All right. I think before we, uh, I don't know, start embarrassing ourselves anymore, let's go ahead and stop this. (laughs) Good thinking. So let's move on to Legends and References. I do apologize. I have some just getting over a nasty bout of laryngitis. So my voice has been a little crazy the last week or two. The first reference we have is the Morton House. In the episode, it was owned by Freeman Daggett. Lonely and paranoid, he brought home corpses from the hospital where he worked and set them up in a macabre birthday celebration in no less but his bomb shelter. He then committed suicide by overdosing on horse tranquilizers. After his death, each leap year on February 29th, he would capture and kill anyone in the house to continue his celebration. This combined with the spirits of the corpses he stole from the hospital, who remain in the house as a death echo, give Morton House its reputation as the most haunted house in America. And a death echo is a type of ghost. The spirit reenacts its death over and over until the end of time. Sometimes a spirit can be made to move on, particularly by someone with whom the deceased has an emotional connection. And there was all sorts of trivia, but I'll just mention the highlights. Once again, our favorite set piece, the deer head, showed up again. This is our seventh sighting. This is the only episode so far that shows the credits roll at the end of the show and not in the beginning. The CW site featured a Ghost Facers website. It can be found at cwtv.com slash the CW slash Ghost Facers. It is very amusing. My favorite part on that site is that it has the Hellhazers movie trailer as being one of their favorite movies. Aside from the obvious reference to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre as we previously discussed, the corpse birthday party scenario is reminiscent of the climax of a 1980 Canadian slasher movie called Happy Birthday to Me. This film was produced by the same team that made My Bloody Valentine. 
Incidentally, Jensen will be filming a remake of My Bloody Valentine during the 2008 summer hiatus. So let's move on to music. We had music again. Yes, that's right, folks. We had three songs. The first is We're an American Band by Grand Funk Railroad. Excellent song. It was playing in the Impala Samadine drive-by when the Ghost Facers are breaking into the Morton house at the beginning of the episode. Next is Hocus Pocus by Focus. It plays when the Ghost Facers team are setting up their equipment. And the third, which I predict will not be soon forgotten, is It's My Party by Leslie Gore, which was the birthday party song. The song of the night tonight is Not Missing You by Dreaming Isabel. Check out the website at dreamingisabel.com. The song is brought to you tonight by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Enjoy.
Well, that's it for this episode. This is the first of the four final episodes this season. Thanks for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Podcast. You can visit my website at supernaturalpodcast.blogspot.com or send me an email at supernaturalpodcast at gmail.com. Please note that the opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and not of the producers of Supernatural or the CW. Audio clips played on this podcast are property of the CW and no infringement is intended. Some of the music heard here is from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. <laughs>